got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined down the line by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, how good is it to have rugby back? Oh, it's been such a barren uh, 23 weeks or so without Premiership Rugby. Um, there's, there's, there's nothing better, G, as we... Uh, as, as we both agree, and uh, what better way to start uh, than the, for the blue, black, and white than with a, a, a comprehensive victory against London Irish and getting our season right back on track um, and moving up into briefly the top four, um, but but settling just outside. And uh, lots of positives, I think, to take away from from the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it really was just great to have rugby back in general, but in particular, nothing better than than watching the, the boys run out. So good to see all those familiar faces back in the blue, black and white shirt, McConaughey, Watson, Falatau, Underhill. But then also, so great to see some of those new faces, Spencer, Redpath, who had such a big impact on the game, as we're going to come on to, Tom. And great to see those guys lining up in the blue, black and white shirt and, and, and as I say, having a huge impact. And we're going to talk all about that impact on this podcast, reviewing that demolition job of London Irish. We're also going to touch on the big news coming out of Bath Rugby this week, which was the um, confirmation, I guess, of Neil Hatley as head coach of Bath Rugby and then briefly look ahead to Bath's next game on Saturday at Welford Road against Leicester Tigers. Before we get into it though, make sure you're subscribing, make sure you're following us on Twitter, make sure you're rating, reviewing us and sharing the podcast wherever you can. Um, and let's get into it now then, Tom. And, and before we delve into the game, how are you feeling before the game, given the strength, I think, of Bath's team um, and, and kind of the, the, the incredible recent record we have against London Irish? I think we've won the last 10 meetings between the two sides. So how are you feeling? How confident were you going into it? Yeah, I think, uh, as we spoke about on the, on the last podcast, I think looking at the respective squads, um, I felt that we were a much more cohesive outfit. Um, you know, we, 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 we've got a, um, a young squad now, but a lot of them have a lot of experience with, with playing together. Whereas I thought London Irish were, you know, although there's a, there's a few stars um, and London Irish fans will have been happy to see guys like Sean O'Brien uh, playing and, and making a, an appearance for them at long last. I just felt that we'd, we'd have something more. Um, that said, you know, there were sort of, um, as I mentioned to you, G, but before the game, I was a little bit nervous going into it just because, you know, you never know after all that time out um, just how much ring rust uh, you're expecting uh, the, the players to have. And I think, you know, particularly as the, the game dragged on, I think we we did start to, to see um, concentration levels fade slightly. We start to, started to see the, the standards slip a bit. Um, you know, I think part of that was because we knew we had the the game won and we also know how brutal the, the fixture list is so I think, think there was a I think there was a drop off um, but I think overall what I was what I, what I was particularly pleased with was the intensity that, that we actually came out of the blocks with yeah um, or I thought I thought from the off London Irish looked quite promising and the first sort of five minutes or so they were they had all the ball they were they were looking relatively dangerous and they were making us make our tackles 
And guys like Mercer and Sam Underhill, I thought in particular, were flying out of the line, clearly had been chomping at the bit to, to, be, to be playing rugby again um, and were really making their hits and, and winning the game line. Um, and then, G, just the, the awareness from Ben Spencer, as we'll come on to, to take that opportunistic um, uh, interception and, and go under the post. And I think that really quashed the early ambition that the London Irish showed and probably just put our nerves at ease a little bit because, you know, we were ahead on the scoreboard, um, you know, and it was starting probably to feel uh, a bit more normal for the players again. Yeah, I think they did start on top, actually, Tom. And, and Hooper spoke about in his post-match interview um, how they'd spoken amongst themselves about the importance of that start and starting fast, um, particularly given kind of London Irish's struggles against Bath recently and particularly just given that long, long layoff. You just didn't want to get into a situation where Bath were behind and London Irish grew in confidence and, and, and it made it very difficult to come back. And I think it would have been very difficult to to come back in those conditions in particular, given that although we did end up scoring four or five tries, it could have been a day where a couple of tries could have could have decided it. So I think starting fast was important. And, and, and we didn't really until that moment, as you say, with, with Ben Spencer. But I think that is what kind of these guys, these, these top draw players can, can do for your side. I mean, we just don't get that. We've not had that from, from a basketball half for, for so long. And the way he anticipated, then quickly stepped, and the acceleration of the guy to just go away from everyone on the 22 meter line he was but the bath 22 meter line he was when he when he took the ball and it was an immediate impact and i think it also allowed for him to settle into his surroundings settle into to to uh, his new club and grew in confidence from there and the performance that he he put in was was absolutely outstanding you know at showing no signs of of easing himself into the new system to the new players he was fantastic on the day and, and that kind of got the ball rolling with, with his performance. And, and B, how many times have we seen those slightly scrappy, you know, slightly lucky opportunistic tries scored against mm. Bath? It always seems to, to be that way. You know, the, the one actually it reminded me of was the, the John Cooney um, kind of half charge down interception try against Ulster um, all that time ago back in the, the, the Heineken Cup. Mm. Which ultimately you know, meant that they scraped past us at, at the wreck and, and really ended our ended our European campaign at the first hurdle. So, yeah, it, it was very very Sarri's esque. Yeah. And you know, gee, he did it a couple of times. He mm. nearly he, he intercepted another one was was tackled, and he very nearly only a few minutes after his try intercepted a line out um, yeah. in Chris Cook fashion. Yeah, I know. Uh, to, 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 and he would have scored that that try as well. So very much heads up rugby from from Ben Spencer and why don't we just why don't we talk about Spencer a little bit more mm. more generally I thought um, it was an absolute breath of fresh air to see him uh, kick uh, yeah. a box so with such control um, you know as as we expected he would you know he's 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 learned that trade very well um, mainly at Saracens obviously deputising for, for Richard Wigglesworth for much of his career and it's just something that we've we've not seen um, uh, consistently for from a bath number nine. Um, gee, you must have been um, you must have been uh, enjoying that box game, I imagine. I was, yeah, because we've spoken about how the tactic has been for Bath to go back to to Priestland for for clearing kicks, and I think it has had some sort of success because Priestland before the lockdown was striking the ball so nicely that we weren't necessarily seeing the the adverse effects of going back to your fly half 
fly half as opposed to box kicking, which is what most clubs do. But Ben Spencer's box kicking on the day was was so good. Like so often did he just buy ourselves, you know, an extra 10, 15, 20 meters from what you'd expect from a box kick. It was so accurate. It was so consistent. There was never one I can remember where it went straight up in the air or it went straight out or he just didn't quite get right. He either cleared it, you know, into touch far or he made it perfectly contestable. And there were so many occasions when it, often McConaughey was chasing Spencer's kicks and it would be perfect just when when the, the, the London Irish fullbacks or back three were, were about to take the ball. McConaughey would be right there, not allowing any sort of... Um, any sort of counter-attack. And that kick chase is going to be so important for Bath. And 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 Ben Spencer's kicking accuracy is just it's just going to be um pivotal in that kind of defensive kick chase. And I think when Chudley came on with the last 10 minutes, it began to go back to to Priestland kicking. And that just exemplifies kind of the trust that 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 the team have in Ben Spencer, but also the confidence he has to say, no, no, we're not going back to the fly half on this occasion. I'm taking responsibility and I'm going to put in a, a fantastic box kick. And it wasn't just his box kicking, Tom. It was the way he controlled the game all over. He seemed to be absolutely everywhere. And those kind of two interceptions and one missed interception, and he just seemed to be everywhere where the ball was, everything that Bath did well. He was at completely the epicentre of, and it was just fantastic to see a guy come in, look like a leader on the field already, and, and kind of just dominate a game from, from the start. And, and yeah, he, he was absolutely fantastic, I thought. Yeah, I gave him a, um, you know, a, a big talking up um, mm. in, in last, week's, uh, last week's podcast, and half of me was thinking that it might be, um, might be the curse of death, but, but certainly not. Um, and I imagine that Eddie Jones and even uh, even Warren Gatland um, mm. will be will be making kind of notes of of that performance. Um, and yeah, wouldn't it just be our luck if um, if, if uh, he was catapulted up to to the England and and, and Lions setup? Because um, a great start for for mm. him. I think everyone agrees that, and I think that box kick is going to become a serious weapon, particularly when you've got some of the most effective guys in the air in the Premiership. So McConaughey's been um, absolutely fantastic in the air since he's, since he's come in at, at playing 15s. And obviously, Anthony Watson, we know how good he is in the air. So could be a, could be a huge weapon for Bath. Um, and gee, I think talking of, of, of huge weapons for Bath, mm. it's certainly been clear um, that, that uh, an area that we are focusing on, and I don't know whether this is, um, you know, this was a call we made because it was London Irish um, and, and we saw a chink in their armour, um, or more likely, in my view, I think this is uh, probably something that is going to be a bit of a focus of our of our game going forward, um, and that is playing uh, you know the nine man rugby really, um, tucking up the jumper, um, being very very powerful and effective at set piece, and then also um, with the rolling mall. So um, at times, G and and you know a number of tries um, for three tries, I think three of the five tries from the yeah. from the rolling mall, a hat trick for the hookers. Um, and you know when you get in schoolboy rugby, and I was on the receiving end of this more times than I'd I'd care to tell. When you see a rolling mall um, go about half the length of the pitch, um, and and nothing to nothing to stop it, uh, we saw a couple of that a couple of occasions when that happened for for Bath. And um, yeah, the front five really really impressed me, G. And and, and the one guy I'd, I'd I'd give a shout out to, I think, is is Lewis Boyce. Mm. Um, when he was on, and he went off shortly after half time, I think mindful of the kind of the rotation policy that, that we've spoken about but uh, to front up at scrum time 
in the way that he did against a guy with 107 wallaby caps, Sakopi Kapu, and uh, dominate him from the from the loose head side as he did win the penalty um, initially. Um, you know, we then kicked down, um, got the rolling mall going, and ultimately uh, Tom Dunn, I think it was, went over for that for that first score. So um, was very impressed with that G, as I'm yeah. sure you were, and, and also the um, Bath's power game in in general. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of been made no secret even before the lockdown that that's kind of that it, it wants it wants to be based upon uh, the, the the scrum, the line out, and and the rolling ball, and and it was you know Stuart Hooper, Neil Hatley, and, and Luke Charter's wet dream at times on Saturday. The way we we a completely dominated in, in our own attacking ball, and it was you know when they I think we turned over six of their lineouts on the day, and I think that was just an area where where we completely dominated London Irish, and I, I do think it was really good from from Bath. I think it was great clinicality in particular. So the first one, as you say, for Tom Dunn, uh, you know from from uh, a penalty into the corner which Boyce had won 12 nil and then another one uh, kind of on on 22 minutes to make it 17 nil and I think we we're almost at 100 percent accuracy uh, when we got inside the 22 in those first sort of 20 25 minutes because we were just far more clinical than London Irish and they did get into our 22 on a couple of occasions but but kind of coughed the ball up and that was really impressive from Bath because they didn't appear to be certainly in those first 20-25 minutes to be any kind of rustiness in particular in that set piece and rolling ball and, and it kind of there almost shouldn't be because there are areas you can just nail in training. You can go against fifty. You can go against another pack eight on eight, and you can just bang, bang, bang. And that's something you can get right over the lockdown period. And it did look as though, um, you know, Hatley in particular had had, had honed those 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 skills, and and, and they looked fantastic. Yeah. But I, I do question Tom, kind of who we were against. On, on on Saturday and I do question the the how difficult it was for those rolling walls because as you say at times it was like men against boys like we got it and we just pushed them over on a consistent basis and and, and Irish really didn't help themselves kind of compounding their own areas giving penalty after penalty which which meant Bath had huge field position and when you can get field position and you're dominant in the set piece it's almost impossible for you, for, 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 for you to win if you're London Irish so yeah it was great don't get me wrong but how good were, were Irish really on the day and, and was that was were we flattered yeah this this is the thing and, and that's why you see it at, at schoolboy and, and more um, lower level rugby it's because you don't need much of an ascendancy in things like the set piece and the rolling mall for it to start look very, very ugly. Um, and I, I think there's an element of that, to be honest. I think, I think it's probably a bit of both, like, like all of these things. They didn't defend it well. They played massively into our hands um, in terms of giving away penalties um, and, and losing their own, their own set piece ball, as you said. Um, but equally, we were well-organised. We looked powerful. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I, I think a bit of both, and I think the other the other point I think I'd make on this is to what extent are you kind of concerned that we will become slightly one dimensional? And you know, the backs the the backs we've got are so talented. They didn't really get a great deal of ball because it was mm-hmm. clear that that was our you know our game plan was to to keep it relatively tight. Um, but we've spoken so many times about us 
somehow looking bereft of ideas, even with the talent we've got out wide. And my concern, G, and I'd be interested to hear, hear your thoughts on this, my concern is that we do become slightly one-dimensional and we do rely on um, kind of winning the, winning the set piece and, and, our, and our driving mall and, um, and all that good stuff. And, and at the price of actually fully taking advantage of that, of that talent. And if a team works that out um, and snuffs out that one weapon, um, do we suddenly become a bit of a blunt instrument? Well, I, I think that's backed up by a question we've got on Twitter, Tom, at Bath Rugby Plug from Lucas Ward, who asks, it's a simple question, but one that always needs to be repeated. Why are the backs not the focus of the team? These are international quality backs, and yet they hardly touch the ball. I could forgive on Saturday, but you can't just rely on the forwards all the time. And I, I just think that, yeah, okay, on Saturday, there wasn't there was almost nothing from the backs, if we're being honest. JJ, nice finish and a couple of nice touches, but there was effectively nothing. But I think it you can you can give it a pass on Saturday because A, there's going to be rustiness and particularly with kind of fluidity of, of the back line and and um in that aspect, I think is more likely to be rustiness than, than in the set piece, which I think is something, as I said, you can you can train um, and, and get right before the game. I also think that the conditions were were a factor on on Saturday. It was wet, um, and although the wreck was uh, in in pristine condition as it should be with the money they spent on on the new drainage system, I don't think that helped. And I also think that if something's working so effectively. You know, is there any need to to kind of change it? And and I think it was identified early on, and maybe even before the game, that it was an area we could exploit London Irish in. And you know, in a day where you just want to get five points, get the lungs open and move on. I don't really ha- have an issue with the backs not featuring hugely on on Saturday, and I, I think the, the the moaning about that and being critical of that is really kind of not maybe seeing that it was important to win on Saturday. It was important to get four tries. And we did that and we, we, we found a weapon and it's going to come later on in the season, hopefully, um, where, where we can kind of see a more balanced game. But I think moaning about that is, is kind of not really, is missing the point a bit. Yeah, mo- mo- moaning's not the right thing. And, and you and um, Lucas have, have hit the nail on the head there. Um, Saturday, I'm fine with it. Um, but to be honest, it is a bit of a concern for me because... You know, it's something we've spoken about week after week after week, um, and something we've we pondered: why are we not able to, um, to 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 kind of use the the talent that we've got out wide? And I think the other thing, G, is that the, we can probably come onto this now briefly: is the the appointment of Neil Hatley to head coach, as opposed to Gervin Dempsey. Mm-hmm. To me, and I know he's got more experience at top level, but to me, it it does hint. Um, uh, to the to the fact that we are going to play a more mm. forward uh, a more forward oriented game. You know, ultimately, he's going to be making the the calls on strategy. He's going to be the one who makes the call in terms of looking at the opposition and saying how are we going to unlock this defence um, and maybe not materially. Um, and I, 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 you know, you say we've got or Lucas says we've got international quality throughout our backs. We've got international quality throughout our forwards, um, yeah. both past and. Um, and uh, and future. So um, yeah, I'm not overly concerned, um, but I think it's certainly something to to watch as we kind of get further into the season, um, and as as you say, we start to get some fluency back. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I agree with the Hatley point. So I think that if Hatley and moving on to the, the the confirmation, the club said that Neil Hatley is the head coach. I mean, it was as you say, split between him and Gervin Dempsey as the kind of head coaches, with Stuart Hooper as the director of rugby, and it's kind of been formalised. I think more than anything that Hatley is the top man. Um, but I think that if if Hatley had been um, if Hatley had been available when uh, at the start of this season and not been at the World Cup, then Hatley would have been the main man. And I just think it was kind of split initially because uh, they want they wanted to to take some of that pressure off Hatley coming in late. But I think if this was always the plan, and that was always the plan. And I think having a, a forward head coach doesn't mean you can't you can't have a potent backline and 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 kind of use the the backs that you've got because Gervin Dempsey's got an influence in that team and, and Neil Hatley's clearly not an idiot and he sees the the the, the weapons and the qualities got out wide and I don't think that. I don't think it's a pointer to suggest we're going to play one way or other. I just think he's the, he was the man and is the right man for the job. So, I, yeah, I don't think I'd agree we with that. We will see. I would not be surprised if in a month's time we're having the same conversation about why yeah, we're but, not using facts. And but that why, won't be I'm, good. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying correl- obviously correlation is not causation, but mm. we've seen at other clubs, Aaron Major, Richard Cockrell, when there were disagreements in terms of do we play backs or do we play forward-oriented game? And I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's Hatley or we don't know the, the dynamics. And I agree he's the correct man for the job. But I, I won't be surprised, G, if we are, um, you know, in a few weeks, months' time, uh, looking back and saying, why on earth are we not doing more with the backs we've got? Anyway, let's move on. Because these are meant to be bite-side episodes, G. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting conversation. And yeah, we will see. And hopefully, Gervin's got his game plan back. One, one point I was going to make, actually, um, just, just looking through my notes. I don't know about you, I've really enjoyed, and I, this has not actually been the case for other sports that I've been watching, I really enjoyed not having the, the crowd noise. It was a, it was a re- I felt like it was a new experience. You, hear, you heard exactly what the referee was saying throughout everything. You heard, you heard the, the communication of the players so, so quickly. And you got an appreciation, I think, for how much um, kind of almost frantic at times communication um, there was. And... Um, yeah, bit of a bit of a. Um, you've a side you've, you've not been watching much of Sale at home, then. If that's a new experience for you, <laughs> if you watch them every week, then you, you kind of get used to having no crowd noise. I think the 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 the, the Sale crowd noise is is way more than than what they actually get. But um, yeah, no. Oh, so I, did, you, I, did, did you hear the come on you bass thing? Yeah, exactly. That was, <laughs> and the, it was shocking. It was so quiet. <laughs> It did come across quite tinny for, for from the from the BT, but I, I assume they're doing that for the players. I don't I don't think that's to enhance the viewing experience no, no. in BT. No, I think I think it's to give um, to give that all important home advantage that you were talking about last yeah. week, Jay. And I'm sure that really got the boys going. Wow, you say that you weren't in the camp, but yeah, I did enjoy it, and I, and I think maybe you spoke about the communication of the referee, and I think this mm-hmm. might be a good time to talk about the performance of, of Craig Maxwell Keys, who I thought was actually outstanding on the day, and I think we've kind of seen this weekend and in the Super Rugby, New Zealand Super Rugby in particular, that they they've been told clearly to uh, focus more on on the the breakdown and and kind of not new laws, but uh, re- actually referee the laws stricter than, 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 
what they had been previously before lockdown. Um, but I think that has been taken to a far too great extent across the Premiership this season. And it was in those first two or three weeks of the New Zealand Super Rugby. And I think Maxwell Keyes, whilst he was, you know, he was stricter than he normally would, he still allowed the game to have some sort of rhythm and some sort of flow, which I think at times other games that, uh, in the in the Premiership this weekend just haven't had. And I think the referees have, have kind of, I've kind of taken away some of the the viewing experience, and you know, I wrote down that there was only eighteen penalties in in this game, and and normally that would be you know towards the higher end of of, of a Premiership game, but compared to what there what there has been in in other games, I think there was thirty in one of the games I watched this weekend. I thought Maxwell Keys was was fantastic. I think he's one of the best we've got in the league at the moment, and and I really uh, enjoyed his 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 interpretation. Yeah, 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 no complaints at all. Didn't really um, notice him um, in the nicest possible way, which is exactly, um, I think, what what most rugby fans um, want from, from the referee. I felt he was consistent. Um, yeah, and on, I think on the penalty count, for both sides, there were kind of a kind of condensed number of penalties at certain points. So London Irish quite ill-disciplined for points of that first half and basically allowed us to pin them back in the corner and get those rolling more tries. Bath were pretty well disciplined, I thought, in the first half. Hmm. And then, you know, I think going into the second half, we, we were a bit bit scrappy. Um, obviously, we had, we had a decent margin, um, a decent advantage by that point. And we sort of, there were a number of, um, uh, kind of a, a few penalties in, in quite quick succession at that point, um, which I, I think just kind of um, stemmed the flow of, of, of play and of, of tries for us. Um, yes, one area where, sorry, go on. Well, so just, just to kind of keep this going chronologically, so Bath went 17-0 up after 22 minutes. Irish began to grow into the game, I think, in that second quarter and scored to make it 17-7 on the stroke of half-time. And then moving into the second half, Tom, um, you know, I think, is that you're going to make a point here about, about the scrummage? Uh, well, so we're going to make, yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's kind of related to that. So um, it was more around the, the substitutions that were made. Um, so a number of players were, were switched um, either on half-time. So Elliot Stook came off the bench for Josh McAnally, um, who I thought was, was good in the first half. He came mm. on at half-time. Um, then Beno Obano on for Lewis Boyce in the 45th minute. Christian Judge, 54. And then um, Cam Redpath on. So some, some relatively some earlier changes than we'd expect and um, not really surprised, to be honest. Um, as I said, given the, the number of games we've got and given we basically had the game won, I think, by by that point. But um, yeah, another another kind of guy to pick up, Ben Urbano, uh, when he came off, he has you know, absolutely continued his his form. He looked incredibly powerful when um, when he came on. So um, dominated Sokopi Kepu in that, that first scrum, who was then replaced um, by uh, Ollie Hoskins, I think it was, I noted down, um, and yeah, he was. He did not want any of that. Um, Dan <laughs> uh, Urbano is an absolute beast um, in the scrum now. G, uh, it was yeah. it was it was scary. Um, uh, the the rate he was he was going forward. So um, very encouraging that he seems to have kept his fitness and, and kept his strength up. I think during um, during what was what's obviously been a been a long layoff. Um, and I also think encouraging that we made those changes and the guys just slipped into the um, to the game and and you know showed showed very little very little rustiness there. Mm. Yeah, Benno was fantastic. We've got, you know. we've, got, 
we've got this week off as well. So it's, it, <laughs> as we said, it's, we can now we can now we can ease into it slightly. You know, if we had a game on, if we had a game on Wednesday. Um, it's it's tough. I thought you meant oh we've got this week off because it's only Leicester, so we've got two weeks off. But you mean there's no midweek game? Yeah, you're picking out um, Beno Urbano, Tom, and I think I'll then pick out uh, Cam Redpath. And this was kind of the next big moment in this game. Um, and firstly, I think it's important to say that. Uh, he came on for Josh Matavesi to play at 12, which is our first look at where we think we might see a bit of Cam Redpath, a position which I think I assumed he was going to play when he joined. So that was interesting to see. And he was straight on and into action with his first carry. And he's not a big, he's not a big lad, Cam Redpath, completely particularly compared to, to Josh Matavesi, who, who's just replaced. But he gets hit you know, on the game line, if and behind the game line. And then he just keeps his legs going, keeps his legs going. Great determination for his first carry from the 22 into a five metres out. And a couple of phases later, JJ's acrobatically dotting down into the corner. Um, that made it 27-10, bonus points secured and game done with 17 minutes to go. Red path, big impact. Red path, red path great. And... Um... I'm sure he would have appreciated the help that he got from his his mates driving him forward a, a few meters in probably what was his first carry yeah. um, in a bath shirt. And yeah, it seemed to be. I, I potentially thought. Um, uh, uh, what did I say? I said no. I said that he. Did I say he'd be at ten? I don't know. Oh, I said. I think I said. I think I, said so I, think I, I think I blindly speculated that the Glanville would be ten, and, and he would be he would be twelve. Doesn't seem like the Glanville is going to be ten. We should bro- probably briefly say that the club. Um, prior to the game, confirmed the, the playing group for the 2019 season. Um, and will be room for Stuart Hooper. It looks like it will be either Orlando Bailey, um, who was named in that group, obviously without a senior contract at the moment. Um, and then also, G, as was confirmed by, by Stuart Hooper, um, Josh Matavesi will potentially be cover for the fly half shirts having played there in the past for uh, for Fiji. So um, that's interesting. And I think probably explains uh, the other rumours that have been circulating uh, around us potentially being in the market for, uh, for a fly half. So um, yeah, obviously a bit of deja vu there with, with Andre Pollard being, being mentioned. Um, we'll, we'll see what, what materialises. I, I definitely would, ra- I definitely would rather see Bailey, given the opportunity rather than uh, what would be a, a bit of a, um, a Nathan Hughes looking uh, uh, like sticking plaster um, uh, with Josh Matavesi with his, with his new mallet. Um, yeah. But, you know, Reef Priestland, it seems, is a key, key figure now um, in, our, in, our, um, in our squad. Yeah, what's the best way to uh, really get your outside backs into the game? Oh, let's pick a big uh, wrecking ball at 10 that normally plays 12 and that will really open up the game for JJ and Watson, mate. So, yeah, definitely well, right with Bailey. Yeah, well, and Reese Priestland's gone to new measures to try and get himself, uh, <laughs> himself picked in the world squad. Um, you know, we often say that players with the bright scrum hats get, get recognised. So I think he thought, well, I'll get some peroxide in, in my hair and... Uh, 
um, uh, might be uh, might be noticed even more by by Wayne Pivak. Um, for, he's, for well. anyway, he's sorry, trying to convince himself that he's still only twenty four. Reese Priestland, like what, what is that haircut? And why are there so many mullets in the Bath team? Someone got in touch with us on Twitter. It was John, yeah, it's Jack Wakeham says, why are there so many mullets? Why are there so many mullets? Like Dan, Dan yeah. has one, Stuart has one. Yours was even rocking one, I think. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know we normally deal with all the big issues on this podcast, but I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't have an, an I don't have an answer for that one. The the hair, um, the hair, the hairstyles have not been uh, have not been great for sure. No, something which was great then, Tom, was uh, Bath's final fifth try on sixty nine minutes. Uh, this time it was Jack Walker crashing over from another driving mall. Bath taking advantage of a, another London Irish mistake when they dropped it inside their own twenty two. Um, so, uh, yeah, 10 minutes to go, 14 points clear, 24 points clear. Um, Spencer then off, uh, Tom de Glanville on for a Big Mac and tries uh, to play at 15. So, again, a little inkling into where we might see de Glanville for a bath, uh, in a bath shirt. Um, and then finally, the game kind of rounded out with uh, London Irish scoring. What was quite a soft try from Bath's point of view. That was a pushover. Uh, and the game was finished on 34 to 17, Tom. How would you then assess uh, that performance overall? Um, happy? Yeah. Not happy? Where, where were you feeling on, uh, apart from just great to have rugby back, what were you feeling at, at five o'clock on, on Saturday afternoon? I would say oh, I'm happy... Um, kind of tending towards being being very happy with that. I think we can't have huge expectations for for this playing group quite yet. Um, there are there, you know there's some new faces there. They, they, there is some some rustiness there. I think as I mentioned for towards the latter end of the game, we um, we did take our our foot off the gas. Um, and uh, you know I think a couple of those tries we would have been disappointed to concede in normal um, the normal course of of, of a season. Um, but gee, you know you look across the, the Premiership. Uh, the six games that were played, and there were 258 points scored in total. So I, I don't think that um, I think you know I think that is a common theme um, across across the the games that that we've seen. So um, I'm not overly concerned by that. Um, I think you know standouts for me, uh, Ben Spencer, as we mentioned. I think he was rightly awarded match. Uh, sorry, have we mentioned them? Well, yeah, <laughs> I think he was. Yeah, I mean, but it's just so refreshing to have have someone um, well in the in the nine shirt. Um, I, I think he was, he was also very good. Sam Underhill, nineteen tackles, really put himself about, and a couple of good turnovers. Zach Mercer, as ever, um, I thought all the second row forwards played well, and the front row guys that I mentioned, obviously dominant in the scrum, and then getting the the hat trick of tries between the, the two hookers. Um, the last thing I'll say, G, conscious of conscious of time, is that. Um, we didn't have much ball, which I was surprised about looking back. So um, uh, they had 59% of, ter- of possession and 62% of territory. So the Lions share there very slightly. Um, and we did have to put in a bit of a, a defensive shift. So 154 tackles versus London Irish's 82. Um, however, we only missed 14 of those tackles and they missed 90. Mm. So um, we can be very happy, I think, with, with that effort um, in, uh, you know, when, when we compare it compare it to London Irish the stiffer opposition to come um, but a very good start five points secured um, which is something that we've struggled with on so many occasions and now only Exeter and Sale um, have more wins um, Exeter and Bristol apologies have more wins um, than us 
so far this season. So into fifth place, G, and onwards and upwards, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And it was just so key to get those those five points because, as you say, loads of wins, but not enough bonus points. And yeah, it was just a good lung open. I think it was exactly what we needed. We're so lucky, um, you know, in the nicest possible way to London Irish to have got London Irish at home for this first game to get every cobwebs, get every kind of cobweb out. We've got another, you know, on paper, hopefully relatively easy game this weekend, build up, build up, build up, and then into the kind of stretch, which is going to be really difficult towards the end of, of our season. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I was happy to get five points. Um, it was great to, to, to see the boys back in action and yeah, um, a bit more, uh, a bit more kind of development to our game plan to come, but yeah, great to, to get the win. On to, on to Leicester. Yeah, on to Leicester then, Tom. So, yeah, as I say, Tigers away, who lost 26 points to 13 to Exeter Chiefs at the weekend. Um, Leicester uh, find themselves, you know, effectively bottom of the table behind, in front of only Saracens, who had all those points deducted, obviously. 15 points behind Bath, um, Leicester. And I think just looking at those team sheets from the weekend, Tom, you know, there were so many such strong team sheets because all the DORs had all of their uh, players to pick from. But the, where are all the Leicester players to pick from? Because that team sheet that they put out against against Exeter was was pretty poor on paper. Yeah, that, you know, <laughs> you compare it to, to the Leicester team sheets of old, you know, stacked mm. benches, um, internationals, both England and, 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 and others, um, uh, kind of stacked throughout the team. It is uh, looking fairly gloomy, I would suggest, for for Leicester fans. Um, you know, to, to start a back row of Harry Wells, Jordan Tawafua and Tommy Reffel, um, uh, you know, and, and with a bench that, you know, quite a lot of them I've, I've not heard of having, um, you know, obviously been been following Premiership Rugby for, for some time now. It's, um, yeah, it, it must be very, very stressful if you are, you're a Leicester fan. Um, they've obviously had a huge clear out of players, um, lost some big names, but also some some you know fairly key guys that probably weren't as as high profile. I would I would say and, and brought in um, you know some some guys with promise, but actual no real real experience. So yeah, really really difficult. And I think outside London Irish, probably Worcester and and Leicester, um, they were I think markedly the the weakest teams on paper that we that we saw put out at the weekend. So. Yeah, I, I, we said last week, I think this is the perfect start, really. If I had to pick two teams to face first two, um, I think these this this would be it. Um, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, again, pretty pretty bullish. I think the only thing I'd, I'd suggest looking at their team is, um, or looking at the team that played against Exeter, um, is the two things. They, they did start fairly well and they were fairly spirited early doors. They, they couldn't maintain that for the, the whole 80. And I think part of that is, is you know weakness coming off the bench and an experience of the bench that are, that I mentioned. And the second thing is their their clear areas of strength are the front row and their their halfback combination. So Genge, Youngs, and Cole, and then um, obviously their, their two star guys really Ben Ben Youngs and George Ford. Um, outside of that, I think it's it, it's fairly poor. So um, it will be it will be important to get the the dominance in the in the set piece and up front as we did against London Irish. And it'll be very important to, to maintain discipline uh, because we know that George Ford can can put you in um, you know in incredible positions uh, if you if you let him. Um, but I think if we're able to to pin back um, to pin back that team, we we should 
um, have have too much of them, G. Yeah, and I, I think that's right. And I think on the back of that, it will be very interesting to see what team what team uh, Bath put out because it is yeah. Leicester away, as you say. You know, on paper, on just looking at the table, the worst team in the league, and I think they probably played about the worst team in the league this season. Um, and I think we revel in being able to say that because we're Bath fans. But I don't think that's that's too harsh to say. And I think there you've got to look then at Northampton Saints away on Wednesday night, so the first of the uh, Wednesday night midweek games, and then Wasps at home on Bank Holiday Sunday. So how much, Tom, do we need to and should we uh, rotate for this for this Leicester game. I never thought we'd be saying Welford Road is an opportunity to rotate, but that's the reality we live in. It's a huge, it's a hugely difficult one, isn't it? Because you know these are games that are must wins. So by playing a second team, you're taking a risk that you don't win your must win games. Um, and it's Leicester away. It seems so strange, as you say, to to suggest that we might we might send a second team to Welford Road and expect to to come away with the results. Um, but when you you know when you when you put it like that, I'd suggest that obviously all the players will be coming out of the weekend. Some of them will be have picked up niggles, um, uh, and I think we just need to be um, we just need to be very careful where there are players who have who have pulled up slightly stiff or with, with niggles um, and just not risk them. Um, yeah. And the guys that are still, so you you know your your Sam Underhill, uh, your Zach Mercers, etc., um, who will be ready to go again and, and chomping at the bit. I think you you know you let them have the week off and and kind of continue to play. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting. I would suspect that we will see a fairly unchanged side um, to that that played London Irish. To be honest, um, there might be a few changes, but as I say, I think that will be based more on guys that have um, have picked up niggles. Um, and I think that it seems like this is kind of a, a first team. Um, Potentially, maybe a Barno comes in for for Boyce, um, and maybe Stu comes in for for McNally. But other than that, I would suggest that this is probably our our strongest team. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised. Sorry, sorry, Tom. But doing that, playing that uh, your strongest team here is is only because the name on the badge of the opposition. It's got nothing to do with who you're actually playing, both in terms of personnel and in terms of how good the team has played this season. If we were going in a regular season, say we had. Um, Worcester who were bottom or, or London Irish who were bottom and playing rubbish and with n- nothing there on paper to suggest they're going to turn that around we would be saying oh well let's rest as much as we can because Saints and Wasps are two teams exactly around us and they're the games we're going to need to win so how how How's your nerve, Hooper? Can you remove the fact that it's a Leicester Tiger badge on the opposition's um, front? And can you just view them as, um, as, as kind of what they are this season? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I think the only thing I'd say about that is that, you know, a lot of the first part of the season, Leicester would have been missing those international players. Um, and they're very much the core of that side. And when you take away those kind of five, six guys... Um, it starts to become, um, you know, a very, uh, a very weak-looking side for for want of a, a better word. So I think there is still dog in the fight there. I think when you've got George Ford, um, uh, Ben Youngs, um, in particular those two guys, I think it would be um, potentially a big risk to um, get their tails up by putting out uh, putting out a, a straight second team. 
Um, that said, um, I, 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 yeah, I, I, think, no, I, I think if I was super, I'd be I'd be taking a bit of a, a bit of a calculated risk. I'd still um, I'd probably still keep the key guys involved, so I'd still have um, I still have Yules playing. I think I'd still have Underhill and Mercer playing, and I think I'd still, in particular, have um, uh, Spencer Priestland and Anthony Watson playing. Um, yeah. But I think that Hooper will be conservative, and I think he we won't see many changes from the team. Jay. No, I, and I do think you're probably right because of the, that exact reason that that just if you get Leicester's tails up by clicking a second team, it could be nasty. But um, yeah, fascinating stuff. I absolutely can't wait. So I think for the record, we're both predicting um, comfortable, hopefully Bath wins. And as always, we've said imperative to get those four tries and get the five points because that's what the the kind of final standings in the season is going to come down to. Um, Thank you very much for... For, uh, for joining me, Tom. Really enjoyed that. So great to have rugby back. We can look ahead to rugby and we can look back at rugby. We've not been able to do that for, for far too long. So thank you for joining me. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Um, get in touch with us across social media. We love to hear your guys' thoughts. Um, rate and subscribe, as I said at the start, if you can. Um, and yeah, spread the word of the podcast because we're back in our, in our usual spot. Um, we're going to be firing out some bite-sized episodes. So we've got a couple to do next week, given the, the fact that we've got Northampton Saints on the Wednesday. So looking at probably a Tuesday and a Friday of next week, um, maybe a little bit shorter, but nonetheless, still some great insight um, all about all things blue, black and white. So do spread the word um, and get excited about the rugby because it is so uh, great to have it back. Tom, thank you for joining me. Very nice to talk to you as ever. And stick behind the boys through thick and thin.